Welcome back to another episode of Actors with Issues. I am your host, Juan Ayala. Today's guest is actress, writer, and producer Rebecca Knowles, who was born and raised in Massachusetts, later moved to New York City, and more recently went over to the West Coast to Los Angeles to continue her career. Rebecca has co-starred on the Netflix series The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Never Have I Ever, along with many other projects, including an upcoming feature film. Rebecca talks with us today about defining success, finding continuous joy in your career, and maintaining a clear and positive mindset. There are so many great little nuggets of information and insight that we get from Rebecca, and some that I share myself about both of our experiences in our careers and the different facets that we have been pursuing. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Rebecca Knowles. So you are a small town girl. Living in a lonely world. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, exactly. But you did grow up uh, in small town Massachusetts, and then you went on to college in Pittsburgh. And what made you decide to pursue a professional acting career? Well, I don't think I realized it was a career that that you could pursue. It just seemed like some sort of elusive thing that people do on TV and, and on Broadway. But it seemed so... It seemed so kind of in in the distant dream of dreams mm. uh, that it didn't really occur to me that it was possible at first. I went to a, a very um, academically minded high school, so it it made sense to to pursue something like English um, or the humanities in in college. Um, and at one point, I wanted to be uh, a journalist because that seemed kind of like a way to to work in mm. writing and performing. Um, and and then I just, I, I essentially just realized that there are people who pursue this and it made sense to, to give it a whirl and, and see what happens because I, I didn't want to kind of wake up one day and regret my whole life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that happens, uh, f- I'm sure, much more often than, than we would like. Um, I'm rather active in the Reddit community and um, like the acting subreddit. Mm-hmm. one of the things that people were right mind you they're like younger than us or around our ages and they'll be like you know i'm 22 is it too late to start acting i was like no it's never too late to start acting it's gonna be a little bit tougher to pursue it as a career because there's a little bit of lost time but it's never too late and um you know a lot of them are like i don't want to wake up in 20 years and always regret you know doing or not pursuing it um I think that's something that a lot of us go through when we're having that sort of self-doubt. Can I do this? Can I not? And it's like, well, there's only one way to find out if I can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's scary. I feel like it's scary to kind of make any decision and then pursue it with 100% of, of your, your passion um, mm-hmm. because there's the idea of, oh, what if, you know, what if in 10 years from now I'm not any further than I was? What if mm-hmm. my dreams haven't come true? What if... Um, you know, what if I fail? And that's, that's totally something that I, I have thought about and think about. Um, and, and then it essentially just got to the point where I realized, oh, you know, no matter what happens, if I am am pursuing what I love, you know, the actions that I take tomorrow, I will automatically be in a different point than I was mm-hmm. yesterday or a week ago or, you know, two years ago. Um, 
and I and then the idea of of you know what does it mean to fail? What does success look like, and how that's different for everyone? Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm also I also feel like being able to pursue acting is um, is is really a, a special privilege. You know, our our grandparents and, and great grandparents might not have been in a position where they were able to go after their dreams because they had to take care of families or, you mm-hmm. know, they had a, a house to pay for. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to, to pursue a, a creative way to earn a living. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I come from a, a family of immigrants, um, from first generation born in the U S and, um, it was very surprising when I, told them that I wanted to pursue acting professionally. You know, I went to college for it, but they figured like, eh, this is just a phase yeah, or whatever. Right. He's, <laughs> he's going to get a job somewhere else. Right. He'll grow out of it. He'll realize it's hard or whatever. But, you know, being in Connecticut, it's so close to New York. Broadway was an hour and a half train right away. So it always, that always felt very much in reach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was in college, I was like, Oh, I'm, I, I want to be in Phantom of the Opera. I want to be in 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 Les Miserables. I want to be in all these big shows. And it, again, it was right there. So it's not like Hollywood that was across the country. Only these uh, amazingly gorgeous people um, do the big movies and TV shows. So that always felt very out of reach and like uh, almost unachievable. While theater felt much more realistic because it was done locally where I was. Um, there are a lot of regional theaters in equity houses in Connecticut. Um, and even, you know, obviously those are all paid opportunities, but there was even non-equity paid opportunities and like that in Connecticut and the arts community was very alive. So it never, it always felt real. Like you could always do shows after class or, you know, when you're done with school rehearse at night, you do shows on weekend or whatever. Um, and I have a feeling that you're not, I have a feeling, but I, I know for a fact that a lot of, uh, theater actors feel that TV and film is unachievable because the sort of mentality for such a and still today, uh, like I said, I see this on Reddit a lot is, um, you know, if you want to do theater, go to New York. If you want to do film TV, go to LA and that's it. Um, and you know, firsthand, that's not at all true that there is plenty of, of screen acting opportunities in New York. Um, did it ever feel unachievable to you? And um, sort of like, what are your thoughts on that? Did it ever feel like because you were on the East Coast that you couldn't do TV film when you were first starting out? Yeah, I mean, yes to everything that that you said. I've heard <laughs> I've heard so many times the idea of you know Broadway is the place to be if you're interested in theater. So you have to move to New York, and and if you want to do TV and film, you have to be in LA. Um, I also, I've also heard a lot that it's really hard for, for theater people to act on TV because, you know, their, their acting style is considered too big and they have to tone it down or make it smaller because the camera is so much closer than performing to a theater house of a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that while there's, while there's for sure some truth to all of those, I do think so much of that is is kind of the, the story that we've been told over and over again. And there's a lot of that, that, that just isn't true. Um, I, I totally agreed uh, or had the same experience as you in that I grew up in a really tiny town outside of Boston. So a lot of, 
um, Broadway and Boston shows, the tours would come through and mm-hmm. we'd go see Mamma Mia or Hairspray. Um, yeah. And, and I went, I took some classes at a performing arts school after school as I was growing up. And because of that, I think the, the world of theater seemed a little bit more tangible or, or attainable, um, just, just like you were saying. And I, I think that there's the idea that it has kind of been turned on its head um, where as, as I got older, I realized that there's, there is incredible regional theater that happens all over the country. And mm-hmm. some, of the, some of the most incredible performances I, I saw were, you know, uh, site-specific performed in the living room of, of someone's house. And mm-hmm. those performances were so moving and, and so powerful. Um, and there's so much TV and film that happens in, in, New, in New York now, not just Los Angeles and, you know, in, in Georgia and in Boston and in Pittsburgh and in New Mexico. There, there yeah. are so many, um, so many shows that are, are shooting in, in places other than just kind of what we look at as those two big, uh, you know, big shiny cities of, of Los Angeles and, and New York. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, my, my last guest uh, was Mickey Dolan. He worked on the Netflix show uh, Daybreak. And I had no idea because the show took place in Los Angeles. So I kind of assumed they shot in Los Angeles, but they actually filmed in New Mexico. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. And he's from New Mexico. So he was a local hire. He ended up doing uh, eight episodes as a guest star. Um, you know, it was his first like recurring uh, gig. And I didn't, I thought that Roswell, New Mexico was the only show that filmed there. Because <laughs> um, I, I knew that they filmed a lot of that stuff on site because um, I went to like a, a screening of it when I was in LA a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, you know, even there are a lot of sites that, or um, cities that I didn't know the market was so big. I didn't know that Chicago had much, but it's like all of the Dick Wolf shows that are based in Chicago actually filmed there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Empire and I think Star filmed out there. Star might have been in Atlanta. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but, you know, I didn't know how big Atlanta was until a couple of years ago when they were seeing like the Marvel movies filmed down there. Shows like The Vampire Diaries. Um, Netflix does a lot down there. It's it's crazy how much it's expanded to uh, so many different states and whatnot because of, you know, things like the tax incentives. Um, yeah, absolutely. That they'll give. And it's cool, too, because then I feel like it, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it, it makes it seem a little bit more achievable and, and, mm-hmm. and possible for people. You know, if, if you're someone who lives in, in the middle of Iowa, it, it's, I, I would imagine that it, it seems maybe a little bit more possible that you could mm-hmm. go to Chicago or, or kind of like a stepping stone city that's not yeah. as big and not as intimidating as I think um, Los Angeles and, and New York can be. Yeah, and in, and uh, definitely in terms of like, um, because New York and LA are such saturated markets, because that sort of concept or that mindset is still there that it's one or the other, um, and these other tiny markets don't exist, everyone thinks like, 
and I've heard this a lot, again, especially on Reddit, but people are like, should I just move to LA? Uh, why bother with New York? Because uh, everyone says that all the shows are cast out of LA. And I'm like, well, the series regulars are cast out of LA, but like you have your BFA in theater. You don't have an agent or like you shouldn't be worried about those auditions because they're not going to come your way unless you have a great rep with a lot of clout. Um, I learned that very early on when, um, you know, a lot of times when we get our first rep, we think like, you know, my work is done. Like they're going to do everything for me now (laughs) and they solved all my problems. And, uh, that's very much not the case. Um, you know, when I got my first agent, they're big in the Southeast. So I got a lot of auditions for things that filmed in Nashville or in Memphis or in Atlanta because their offices were based there. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had access to the New York breakdowns, but again, because they didn't have a sort of relationship with any of the casting teams in New York, I wasn't getting any auditions. And I saw the submission reports. I was getting submitted for everything, not everything, but you know, for a lot. Um, and those auditions just didn't come my way because that's such an important aspect too, is not just having representation, but teaming up with a rep who um, can get you in the room where you are. You know, I would self tape for all of these uh, Nashville or Atlanta based projects, but um, you know, they're not going to fly someone out for a one day co-star. Right. They're going to just do local hire. They may have opened up the market, but then once they hear, you know, based in Brooklyn, New York or whatever, they're like, eh, we can find someone local to do this one scene uh, role. And that's when, again, that's when the the sort of local actors can get a lot more work because it's just cheaper for these productions to hire someone local who is equally as talented, if not more talented, than someone who taped from New York or L.A. or Chicago or wherever. Um, was there anything, did you have sort of a similar sort of like eye-opening experience once you got your your first rep? Um, were you like me who was like, you know, they're going to solve all my problems now? Uh, a little bit for sure. I, Mm. I think I, uh, when I was living in in New York, I actually, I didn't have any reps. I didn't have any reps when I booked my first Mm co-star. Um, so I think for me, first of all, I was so surprised to have booked a a role on TV without an agent or manager because, Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I for so long thought, oh, wait, it can't happen without that person to open the doors and and to get me into the offices for auditions. Um, so I think that was, that was really cool and, and kind of eye opening in a a positive, inspiring way of, you know, the, the people that I am making relationships with really do matter. And that can, that can be incredibly effective in, in um, providing opportunities for me. Um, I think that I, I definitely didn't realize how important the, the relationships that my agent and, and manager have would be. And like mm-hmm. you were saying, you know, a question that I, I feel like I now ask when I'm in, in meetings to, to figure out if we are the right fit for each other in terms of mm-hmm. representation is uh, what offices do you have the closest relationships with? Because mm-hmm. if, if the offices that they have relationships with are in line with the offices that cast the shows that I best fit the world of, then that's mm-hmm. going to be a great partnership 
because yeah. we're both targeting the same the same worlds and the same types of projects. Um, but if it's if it's for example in, in my case, um, reps who only have relationships with a lot of the uh, like gritty procedural shows or soap operas or something like that. I'm I'm in no way opposed to uh, auditioning for any of them, but I think that my brand is is better aligned with other other types of mm-hmm. projects. Um, so that might not be the best fit because exactly like what you were saying, it it, it takes so many times of casting seeing your face and producers seeing your face before they bring you in for the audition and any in any way that you can have someone helping you in making you less of a risk for example an agent who has a good relationship with that office if they can vouch for you then you're therefore less of a risk or if you somehow are are friends with the writer from one of the shows and they can vouch for you um if you've worked for the network before and, and they've seen you on set and they know that you are a, a responsible professional actor. That makes you less of a risk. So I, I think it's kind of a game of how can I, how can I make myself the, the least risky decision possible? Right. And, and the reps can be a huge part of, of helping with that. Um, I think that another kind of eye-opening experience I had was... I expected, um, I expected somehow that, that things would kind of just happen. You know, if, mm. if I mailed out um, like a, a cold submissions to reps that one of them would, would see my resume and be impressed and want to work with me. Um, and if I was in a show, I would, I would send out invitations to come see the play that I was in off Broadway in New York and, and, um, casting directors would show up to, to come see me and yeah. be so impressed and call me in. And I think uh, I very quickly realized that is not the case at all. <laughs> and it really is about fostering the relationships and the the point of building building the relationships with the casting directors isn't so that when you invite them to a show, they'll come see it. That is, that would be icing on the cake, but they are busy humans who are always working and have lives of their own. And really the point is to, to show them that you are working and you are active in the industry. Um, mm. One of my favorite things to do now is to keep an eye out for casting directors and, and directors uh, who are being recognized in some way, whether they've been nominated for awards or, uh, they've just become attached to a, a new project that they're working on. Uh, I, I love keeping an eye out for those things and then sending an email or a postcard to congratulate them instead of mm. making it about me all the time because so yeah. often I feel like it's a one-sided type of relationship where it's just right. like, look at, look at what I'm doing, look at me. Um, and I, I think that the work that everyone does in this industry whether you're on camera or behind the scenes is, is just so crucial in terms of telling, telling the stories and bringing them to life. So I, I've been really enjoying reaching out to people and celebrating their successes instead of just waiting around for, for someone to give me my next uh, break or, or something like that. Yeah. I feel like that it happens so commonly. Um, with reps and with casting directors, um, 
uh, actors will go in to a workshop with a casting director or to a meeting with an agent or manager and they'll just think to themselves what can they do for me what can they do for me it's like uh it works both ways you have to make them look good um it's not just what rooms can they get me in because if you let's say it's a small rep and this is you're the first client that's been called into this office after them trying and trying over and over um and you mess up. If you have a bad day and you bring that energy into the room, it's going to reflect poorly because then the casting director is going to be like, well, why did I give this agent a shot? I don't even know them. And the person they sent me was a flake. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it's, it's so, it is a working relationship. And I always tell people, um, especially young actors, like when you get a rep, you're bringing on a new member to your team. Like when you listen to the award speeches, they'll always say like, you know, thank you so much to my team. Like they know who they're talking about. They know who they are. Yeah. Um, And especially um, the whole concept of sort of like rep shopping or doing, um, you know, like you'd be with them for a year and you're like, you place the blame on your reps and you think like, well, I didn't book anything. So my rep sucks or they didn't, whatever. They didn't vouch for me enough. They didn't do this. It's like, well, you're one of like a hundred clients. They can't vouch for you only. Um, And see what uh can be done on your end are your headshots as good as you think they are do you need to shorten your reel is this one clip not doing you any favors do you need to get into workshops because again a lot of people i didn't start taking workshops diligently until covid started um oh wow because i i finally had the time Mm -hmm. um and the the energy to do so because like i said before i was very much overworking and exhausting myself just trying to um you know, pay the bills. Um, right. I mean, burnout, burnout is real. Yeah. <laughs> That's for gosh. sure. We'll dive into burnout in a second. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't until that I started until I finally got back in class. Um, one of, you know, one of my acting teachers is, uh, James Saccone. I'm sure you've seen his, his face around. Yeah. Um, uh, and he does, he also hosts workshops through his, um, you know, sort of exclusive to his students. And, um, you know, it wasn't until that I finally got back in an acting class and then in workshops that I'm like, this, it reminded me because I hadn't, it'd been a couple of years since I had taken one. Um, I did a couple at AGR over the past couple of years, but I wasn't investing enough in my career because I was still commuting back and forth to Connecticut. And I'm like, well, it's the cost of the workshop plus the $30 round trip on the Metro North, plus taking a whole day off to take the commute and the workshop and the commute back. So it just what it you know actors have to remember that they are the ceo to their acting startup as i like to view it mm-hmm. um and your reps are like it's like you hiring a new manager to take off some of the workload um they're you're not giving up your 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 presidency or your ceo status of your startup um you're very much bringing them on as a team member and the casting directors view them as as an investor um or, you know, as someone who will call you in just every once in a while, even if it's like, you know, once a month, if you're, if you get called into offices once a month to each office once a month, you're lucky. Cause that's a lot. Yeah. That's, I mean, you're, you're set. That's, that is fantastic. <laughs> Investors, fans, you know, what, whatever yeah. the, the casting directors are, that's once a month is gosh, I'd be, I'd be crying tears of joy. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be wonderful wins and i i love too what you said about uh 
how how it's it's not just your reps making you look good, but it's it's how you are making your reps look and how you're mm-hmm. also helping to build their reputation in the industry. And I think it's totally the same with with casting directors too. You know, mm-hmm. um, you when when you're in the office when you're at the audition, you want to of course do your best work for for you for your reps um, for the casting directors because. As, as much as we kind of view them as, as gatekeepers, they are ultimately trying to help us mm-hmm. book the job and, and right. get approved by the people who are, who are higher up than them, the showrunners and, and the producers and the studio you know, heads who have to sign off on, on every decision. Um, and I, I heard a story one time from a casting director who said that uh, there was an actor that they had loved for a, a comedy. It was either a single cam or a multi-cam comedy. And this actor was great. I think the role was for a server. And, you know, it was a co-star. So they they did a great job with, with the line. They were great for the role. They made it all the way up. They made it, uh, you know, casting approved them. The, uh, the, the next people up the ranks approved them all the way to the person who, the singular person who kind of had that final say mm-hmm. at the network. And that person said no because they thought that because it was the show was a comedy, every single person who's on the comedy, whether they have one line or whether they're that week's guest star, they needed to be funny. And that person's line, it, it wasn't supposed to be funny. They were they were the, the straight man, so to speak, mm-hmm. the server, uh, so that the the series regulars could have the punchline uh, in the scene and and. They just the this this studio head or, or network exec, whoever it was, just didn't see them as as funny enough. Um, but every other person signed off. So yeah. it's it is really interesting how you know ev- everyone wants to to be able to call it and to see this see the first person who walks in the door. They're perfect. They can call it a day. They can worry about the twelve other things on their plate that they have to accomplish. Right, um, and I. I think that I totally believe that, and I'm sure you totally believe that, but it's definitely something that I, I don't remind myself of enough mm. that, you know, everyone is, everyone is on your side. Everyone's on, on my side. Everyone wants us to do well because it makes everyone's life easier. If you're like me and you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'd probably love listening to audiobooks, and the best place for that is Audible, the leading provider of audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Titles range from popular literature, fiction and biographies, to health, wellness, and everything in between. For a free 30-day trial, visit audibletrial.com actors for a free audiobook. Once you become a member, you get one credit for an audiobook each month, as well as two free exclusive Audible originals. I highly recommend that all of my actors and artists listening check out the audiobook for The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide, written and narrated by Jenna Fisher, best known for playing Pam on The Office. Jenna gives an in-depth look on her career, from fresh-faced Hollywood newcomer to struggling actor to the star of a hit network television show. She also has a ton of survival advice and guidance for actors tackling this crazy industry. You can check out Jenna's book and tons more by signing up for a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash actors. You were talking before about um, your branding uh, and what Mm -hmm. shows would be sort of 
the best fit for you because your type very much is sort of like the quirky, funny Kimmy Schmidt type. Like, you know, I mean, you were on the dang show. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, uh, but that's very much, um, you know, I saw, was it called Coping? Oh, yeah, my produced? short film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that at the AGR Film Fest um, a couple years ago. And then I think you had booked Kimmy Schmidt shortly after that or it was after that, correct? Uh, I booked it right around the same time. I mm. think there was um, there was uh, not not the monthly screening, but I think there was like the um, the quarterly, the quarterly one screening, yeah. and that was the day that I actually got uh, got the email that told me I, I booked my co star. Oh, same really? Day. And then I Jeez. went right to the screening, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it was it was, um, it was quite an incredible kind of floating yeah. uh, feeling for for that evening for sure you're like so i'm gonna be on this big show for a day and now i'm gonna go see my face on the big screen with all these people you know that's <laughs> jeez yeah, you must have been on such a high that day it's awesome it was a it was a real pinch me moment and i i had another one of those pinch me moments because uh recently um when i was on set for for the co-star that i had on um the incredible mindy kaling's never have i ever mm -hmm. show and it was the same day that a, a project that I had done um, for a, a company called Brat on YouTube mm -hmm. came out. And um, that, that company works with a lot of influencers. So they have something like 3 million subscribers on their channel. And it was, it, it's just so funny how as actors, you know, 362 out of the 365 days of the year, we are not on set and we're not working. Yeah. And the, or, or, you know, we're not, it's not that we're not working. We're just, we're not, I guess, our definition of, you know, actively being on set. Right. Yeah. Lines where we're working to be working. Yeah. Um, and that the same day I was on set was the same day that that was released on, on YouTube. And, I, it was just, it was so incredible because I, I think that so often we, we're just, we're so focused on the hustle or, you know, putting in the work and it's, it's just such an incredible feeling when you have that moment where, where you're like, oh my, oh my goodness pinch me this is exactly what I want to be doing right now and in this moment I could not possibly be happier um and I think that something I'm personally working on is is that idea of how how do I define my own success as not just that as not you know the three days out of the year where I am actively on set doing what I love mm -hmm. how do I how do I find that and celebrate the small wins whether it's uh, a casting director, you know, saying thank you from the email that I sent congratulating them or um, whether it's uh, someone who, who saw my little YouTube series where I, I read children's books, reached out and, and said, you know, I'm, I'm excited to share this with my class of students. Mm -hmm. um, you know, thank you for, for sharing this with us. And um, how do I kind of capture the feeling of those of those little wins of those little successes because the others are unless you're a series regular and, and you go to work every day that's it's not something that that we experience on a daily basis um so the moments are amazing but I I don't know if you're like me I find that 
the the success and that incredible feeling of, of being so alive and, and so full of joy um, is is amazing. And then as as soon as something else happens, an audition you're excited about, you you don't get the part. It's so easy to sink back mm-hmm. into that other mindset. Um, so I I've been doing a lot of a lot of work about mindset and and finding the joy and and how to redefine success and um, kind of reframe my my mindset and and what all of that means, especially during this pandemic when when yeah. all we do is have time to sit in our own thoughts. <laughs> oh, geez, it's been dangerous. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, for some, it's been. I mean, I know a lot of actors who have, while many are sort of in, have become inspired. Um, to take their craft more seriously. Um, I know a good handful of people who have felt exactly that. They're like, you know, the pandemic and this sort of shutdown has inspired me to um, get back to an acting class, to get new headshots once it's safe, to, you know, start auditioning again. And others are like, what am I going to do? What if things don't ever go back to normal and there's even less work? I was already not auditioning. I was already not booking. It's going to be even worse now. It's like, well, this entire career is already filled with uncertainty. Let's not add more ourselves because of this very uncertain and unprecedented thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, especially with with acting, you know, we have so much doubt in ourselves already. And I have learned, um, especially since getting my first rep last summer, it was right before I moved to New York that I got my, my first rep and I was very lucky to be like, okay, like that's one more thing off the checklist in 2019. My goal was to move to book one more co-star, which I was thankfully asked to come back to blind spot for my second episode that year. And, um, was, Amazing. To, was to get my first rep and, um, you know, those things all sort of happened rather or at least moving and and the rep happened rather quickly. But once I got, I sort of stopped telling my family about every little audition that I would get because then they would be like, Oh, how did it go? Like, did you get it? Do you know? And I'm like, no, I, and you have to learn to, you know, you audition and you just put it out of your mind. That's it. Like you're done. You did your job. and, And now you have to let the people whose job it is to make the decisions do their job. Um, Mm -hmm. because otherwise we will be like sitting there waiting. It's like, you know, when you're in high school and you're waiting to see the cast list on the bulletin board or, or, you know, TV is not like that. They almost never tell you when you didn't get it. And it's almost better that way because you're not excited getting an email and then seeing that we regret to inform you. It's like the college rejection letters, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and I learned very, quickly once I started auditioning through my rep to just put it out of your mind your job is to audition and on to the next you know um otherwise you're gonna get in your own head like I said our careers are already filled with so much uncertainty and guesswork that we need to not put more pressure on ourselves than is already put by the industry yeah I I love that I think um something something that I, someone told me at some point is, is in, in this industry, there are going to, there are always going to be plenty of people who are telling, you no, that's not possible. And we don't want our, our own selves to add to that mm-hmm. noise. You know, we, we want to be the people who, who believe in ourselves and, and believe in the possibilities. And something that 
something that kind of I was just thinking about as you were talking when you were talking about how uncertain this industry is, um, is it, it kind of struck me as, as yes, that is so true. And I, I usually kind of look at that as, as a negative in that, you know, there, there is no one road to success there. Mm. There's no kind of, you know, step one, step two, step three, you've made it. Um, yeah. because it is so uncertain. But then another part of me, as you were talking was kind of like, Ooh, but if, if there, you know, if, if there is no one way, if there aren't any rules, if everything is uncertain and, and nothing is guaranteed, then, then really isn't almost anything possible. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, if there's nothing that is, if you don't have to take step one to step two, then you could just skip to step five. You know, right. there's, yeah. there, I think so often we try to create some sort of order to, to just make it, make the industry make more sense. Yeah. And, you know, usually people usually don't book, um, you know, uh, network and, and streaming projects without representation, but not always. I'm I'm proof that that is not the way it always happens. Yeah, me too. I didn't have yeah. a rep when I booked Blindspot at first. That's amazing. Yeah. Like it's and and I think that there's so much of that 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 people kind of just you don't you don't believe that it's possible because who who knows what is possible? But that also means that 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 really anything is, and that the possibilities are limitless. I, I know someone, um, you know, who had no credits and has been only auditioning for series regulars and, and guest stars. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know someone with no credits who booked a series regular, yeah. uh, and that was her first network role. And I think that that is, that is kind of something that's super exciting. Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with that, that <laughs> mindset uh, reframe in that, yeah. you know, you can either look at it as, you know, nothing is certain. So what chance do I have uh, of, of getting anything because so few actors make it? Yeah. Or you can look at it as nothing is certain, which means that there is no logic or reason in this industry that says I can't go from sitting in my mom's house during quarantine to having booked a, a series regular that shoots in Vancouver next year, or to book a, a national commercial that, that shoots in Italy, you know, mm -hmm. this, that could all be possible because there are no rules. We've, we've made up rules, but do they really exist? I, right. I don't know. Um, so I, I kind of love that idea. That's, that's more fun to, a fun <laughs> way to think about it. So I, yeah. I might nothing is certain. to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have t-shirts made. It says nothing is certain. So anything is possible. I love it. <laughs> Get it on Etsy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I very much agree with, with that, how, um, you know, there's like the basic steps that one has to follow to be an actor or to get a rep or things like that. It's not even like the steps. It's just like all of this helps you become right. an actor. It's smart. You know, it's, it's These smart to have a headshot. Yeah. Yeah. It's smart to have, to have footage of yourself, to have a reel. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I mean, it helps you to have professional quality footage, but I know people who've submitted self tapes 
as as they're real and they've booked off of that, you mm-hmm. know, because their talent has has shown through. But yes, totally. It's it's smart to have the tools. You're you don't want to do you don't want to make it any harder on yourself by by not having those in place. And uh, I'm I'm such a big believer in um, actors knowing themselves and and mm. knowing kind of what it is that they they do best that they can do better than anyone the shows that that we can kind of immediately uh fit the world of and and just kind of slide seamlessly into because that just makes that just makes so much sense yeah like what you were saying thinking of ourselves as as a business where uh who needs my business right the most immediately right um that i think makes for sure so so much sense as an actor to kind of have that business mindset yeah um and definitely I, I love that the you know like who needs my business right now like who can be my client if you think of a, of a casting director as a client um but uh yeah I, I love that and I wish we had more time but unfortunately we're getting close to to the end of our time um I'll just have you back for another episode. I could talk to you about this stuff forever because, <laughs> I know, I could because talk to you you've forever nailed, <laughs> cause you've like, you very much, um, you know, just quickly what you said about knowing yourself and what you can sort of like bring to the table because so many actors are eager to, um, to play what's most popular. Like, um, some actors may want to be like an action star. It's like, well, do you know any sort of fighting or have you done stunts before? And they're like, well, no, it's like, well, it's more than just wanting it. You, is your skill set matching that, you know, mm-hmm. you could be, um, you could look super, uh, you could, you know, you could be like six foot two, uh, in buff and look like a detective. But if your voice is not also matching your physicality, that's a whole other factor too. Like, you know, that's why we sort of have uh, self tapes and, and auditions and it's not just off the headshot. Cause it's like, okay, this guy looks intimidating, but if he sounds like Alvin the chipmunk, we can't <laughs> fix that in post, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or the actors who, uh, and I, and I was this person for a while who, who was like, I can do it all, you know, right, you, yeah. you give me a part to play and I can play it. Um, instead of instead of being like, well, here is what my essence is, mm. and that will come through regardless of of what I play. So, how do I fit into this world? Not, you know, not how can I change myself mm-hmm. to be what I think they want, but but where do I fit and most easily? Because that's that's kind of our our um, our money making spot. You know, yeah. that's that's where we're able to to go immediately and, and make that, um, get that, that first role or, and then, and then expand from there and, and find the versatility. But I feel like with, within, and it's, and it's not that you can't play everything because there are, I think so many people who are incredibly versatile mm-hmm. actors and, and who can excel in drama and in comedy. And I think um, I think for me, what's been really helpful is is taking that essence and and figuring out how it fits into all the different types of, of shows. You know, how do I fit into the world of a Netflix comedy? How do I fit into the CW shows? Mm-hmm. Um, I still have my same essence, but there is range within that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where the variety and versatility comes in. Let's jump into our rapid fire round to wrap up here. Uh, so, yeah, theater or screen? 
Uh, right now, screen, but I, uh, that's only right now. I could never just pick one forever. <laughs> uh, TV or film? TV. Drama or comedy? Comedy, but, but the, the comedy that has heart to it. Uh, hero or villain? Um, I feel like I'm never going to give you just a straight answer. Hero, but, but not a picture-perfect hero. You know, a hero who's, who's real and has flaws, flaws yeah. but yeah, flawed hero. Because <laughs> that's real life. That's good, though. Almost everyone gives a complex answer like that. They'll be like a uh, dramedy or, you know, like a, a movie musical. <laughs> like, not just one, but like a combination oh, of both. Oh, that's hilarious, yeah. Or the hero villain, they'll say anti-hero. Like, okay, all right, <laughs> loopholes. <laughs> uh, what is what has been your worst survival job? Oh, gosh. Um, worst survival job. I had a brand ambassador job where I got to – so a brand ambassador job is where you're representing a company or a brand, and uh, you might be working an event. You might mm-hmm. be checking people in, registration. In this case, I was working on this the street – um, in New York, uh, in February. So it was freezing. We were outside for like six hour shifts. Um, it was pouring down rain one day and blizzarding the other day. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was snowing really hard. Mm. And when we got there, they told us that we would be wearing, um, build like backpacks that had billboards on them. So we spent, six hours outside in either the pouring rain or the freezing cold with snow with flyers that were covered soaking wet you know they had been they had ripped because it was raining (laughs) with a backpack with a billboard on that we were we were paired up with a partner and only one of us could could take the backpack billboard off at a time um wandering the streets of new york trying to pass out flyers to get people to come to an event that it was that was hard that trumps anything that I would complain about. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is your book recommendation to an actor? Ooh, um, that is a great question. Um, there, oh, there are so many books that I adore. So I'm going to say two. One, uh, I love the book of Little Fires Everywhere. If you've seen the Hulu um, <laughs> series the the book has some some differences in it and I just it's if you liked the series I think you should totally read the book uh to to see how it's different and how it's similar and it's it's just so well done um and then a book that I really enjoyed uh is called I am that girl but it's it's essentially this incredible book about this woman who shares advice for other women Uh, It's not just about women in the industry. Alexis Jones, I Am That Girl, Mm. How to Speak Your Truth, Discover Your Purpose, and Be That Girl. Uh, It's by Alexis Jones. She has a lot of friends in the industry, and it's so inspiring. It's it's really all about finding the power of your voice and asking for what you want. Don't don't just keep the dreams in your head, but, Mm. but share them with other people because you never know who might be able to help you make them come true. Mm. What movie franchise do you want to join? I know that they're making an Enchanted 2 with Amy Adams. Ooh. And I know that they're making a Legally Blonde 3 that mm-hmm. Mindy Kaling is is helping to, I think, write. And Reese yeah. Witherspoon's going to be in that. So it's it's not Marvel, but any either <laughs> of those two would would be, I would, I would cry. Yeah. 
Legally Blonde is a franchise because if they're making a third, that is definitely a franchise. Um, and same with Enchanted. It's going to become a franchise. Uh, I love that. Um, <laughs> if you had the chance to direct any actor, no, uh, or no budget limits, who would you direct? I would love to direct... Hmm. I would actually, this is going along, going along with, uh, with Legally Blonde and Little Fires Everywhere, but I can only imagine how incredible it would have been on set to be working with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington Mm -hmm. in the scenes that they have together. Um, I, I would, I don't know how much directing I would do. It would mostly probably be me just staring at them with my (laughs) mouth, you know, wide open, admiring their craft. Uh, But, but that would be really incredible. I would, I would love to be on a set with them. Love that. Uh, What role did you have the most fun playing? I really enjoyed um, a play that I did uh, last year in Los Angeles. It was called Lincoln 2020. It was part of the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. And I played a character named Kenzie, um, who is uh, a a teenage social media strategist (laughs) um, who who is brought on to help with a political campaign and and really has no qualifications, but is just very confident in her own abilities and, and... um, you know, hashtag knowledge. Um, and, and that was, that was a really fun role. And the group of people that I worked with were, uh, amazingly talented and, um, some of my really good friends, uh, in Los Angeles. So I, I had a blast. What TV show do you want to join the cast of? Oh, so many. (laughs) Um, so, so many. I would love to, I would love to be on season two of Never Have I Ever. <laughs> um, I would love to join a CW show. Um, there are some HBO Max shows that, that are, are in the works, but haven't actually come out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would also love to join the cast of as well. So I've been, I've been putting those out into the universe and I, I added them to my vision board that I made a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young actor? Uh, believe in yourself, know what you want, and ask for it. And that is it for today's episode of Actors with Issues with special guest Rebecca Knowles, who you can follow on Instagram at Rebecca Sunnybrook Farm and follow us at Actors with Issues. If you like today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rate and review as it helps out the show very much, gets more ears attached to our show, and you can catch new episodes every Friday everywhere that podcasts are available. Thank you all for tuning in. This is Juan Ayala signing off.